This is Ibarian X, and welcome to The Candid Frame. You can now download the latest episode of The Candid Frame directly to your smartphone or tablet using the Candid Frame app. Available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8, you can automatically receive and listen to the latest episode minutes after it's released. Mark and download your favorites or send your comments and suggestions directly to me via the app. Download it today using your favorite app store or click on the links in the show notes found at the Candid Frame website. When a photographer is asked why they make pictures, the response is often about how the camera provides the user the opportunity to express his or herself. Follow up that question with one that asks, what exactly are they trying to say? And many can be left scratching their chins, stumbling over words in an attempt to provide a proper response. It's an important question to ask ourselves because the answer informs what we photograph and why and how we do it. Some people may be more than happy to produce images that just look good, while others of us want to take that powerful creative tool to express something personal in the hopes that the viewer will recognize and appreciate something about themselves in the work. For photographer Jun Lee, that question resulted in him exploring his own personal history and feelings of his parentage through the images of African-American fathers. The revelation that the man who had raised him was not actually his father and that his biological father was black led him to have to face issues of identity, fatherhood, and family secrets. The result is a project that is as much about the photographer as it is the men and their families that are captured so beautifully in June's photographs. We began the conversation by asking him how he was led to create this impressive body of work. You know, just first off, right off the bat, I, I didn't even intend for this project, Father Figure, to be a personal project or a long-form project to begin with. Um, it was more of an exploration um, that started about three years ago. I attended a workshop with David Allen Harvey in New York, and um, un- up until that time, I was mostly known for my street photography um, and you know I, I I thought let me just expand my horizons a little bit and so I took this workshop and part of the workshop was about sort of exploring not just you know what makes a good image and um, how do we get better at shooting or how do we put work together that's more than just a single image but um, I guess what uh, we were tasked to do was really explore why do we even pick up a camera and go out there and what, what compels us to do this? And, um, so it wasn't something mandatory, but you know, what, uh, uh David Allen Harvey suggested is that if we want to get the most out of this workshop, um, it would be best if we can make ourselves vulnerable and really dig into something personal that, um, we can explore that, uh, may or may not be at the heart of why, we're so intent on taking pictures of others. So I thought, you know, let me 
take a cut at it. And, um, you know, I didn't even specifically think about this as a project, but I thought, you know, some of the things that people have said to me when they look at some of my street photos even is that um, they seem to see more of a part of me in, in these pictures, more so than the actual portrayal of, of whoever I'm photographing. Mm-hmm. So, and more specifically, uh, some people hinted at, you know, um, you know, Chun, you're seeing or you seem to be depicting a lot of um, family scenes or fatherhood scenes. Um, you know, that, that seems to be sort of a theme in your street photography. And um, I actually hadn't even thought about that. It was maybe something subconscious, but uh, until people pointed it out, it wasn't really something that had um, really um, come to my mind as something that I gravitated towards. But I thought, oh, you know what, let me, let me explore what that means. And, um, you know, I really wanted to then, find a project to connect sort of my personal history with with the way I photograph and um, you know part of my personal history is that um, I discovered in a, in a surprise discovery that um, I'm uh, the offspring of an African-American man who uh, disappeared when my mom found out that she was pregnant with me um, so you know I, I did have a father growing up who I assumed to be my biological father um, so that sort of news was a bit of a surprise, but it, it triggered all kinds of other emotions for me that, uh, I guess found their way into my photography. And, um, you know, I thought, let me explore that further. Um, so there's definitely one, one aspect. Um, the other aspect is that, um, you know, I actually was essentially raised in, in an African American context anyway. So, you know, when I was very little. Um, I grew up in Frankfurt, Germany. And at that time, uh, Frankfurt was, um, there there were a lot of U.S. troops in Frankfurt. And so from an early age, I was actually, uh, you know, pretty much taken in by African-American GI families who gave me like a lot of the nurturing and guidance and love that I didn't receive at home. So in a way, the, the project was about exploring sort of both sides of that, that, that history, sort of, you know, the, the experiences I had growing up uh, with these African-American families, but also then exploring what father, fatherlessness means to me and um, how I specifically relate to um, this issue. So that's essentially how it all started. And then over time, it became uh, the project that it is today. How old were you when you found out about your, your true father and... And if it's that, not too personal, yeah. what were what were the circumstances where you finally, you know? Well, it's, I think it was about ten years ago. Um, you know, I was in my mid thirties, uh, not to date myself, but uh, <laughs> I was pretty much an adult. And um, you know, um, you know, I think um, looking back, I I had an I had a really terrible argument with my mother at that time about something completely different, and she just, you know, sort of in in a fit of rage threw this piece of information at me, and uh, you know, it kind of obviously uh surprised me and uh it sort of came out of nowhere but uh in a way um you know she then briefly explained you know how this came about and uh you know um again um she hasn't told me much since then she she told me she doesn't remember much about him and uh you know at, at least according to her she she has no idea where he is or you know uh, where he could potentially be, and uh, there's no contact information. Um, and that's the extent to which she shared this information with me. Um, you know, 
definitely was a surprise. Um, on the other hand, a, a lot of things actually fell into place for me. So, you know, it, um, things about the, the way I look or, you know, just certain things um, about my upbringing kind of just started making sense that um, I was kind of wondering about before. So in a way, yes, it was a bit of a surprise and a shock. But on, on the other hand, a lot of things that I had wondered about also fell into place. You mentioned in another interview that your relationship with your stepfather wasn't a particularly good one, that there was a lot of physical oh, problems. Absolutely. It uh, definitely wasn't a great childhood. Uh, my stepfather was uh, quite abusive physically, verbally, and otherwise. And, uh, you know, to, to the point where um, I did not feel I could trust him. There was, um, you know, a lot of fear that I had growing up, fear of... Uh, um, being exposed to his violence. Um, and in hindsight, obviously, I was wondering, you know, did he know that I wasn't his biological child? Um, I, mean, I could, you know, to this day, I, it's not something I could have talked to him about. But now, obviously, I'm wondering if uh, that was part of that dynamic. It, you know, in, in terms of my own family, in terms of family secrets, they, they're not so secret as most family members want to think they are. Uh, right. but you always sort of get the sense that there's something there's something going on even if you don't completely understand them as as a child did you did you feel like that was part of your your story in terms of being able to fit in not just with you know other kids and that you were you know in in Germany but also within your own family like with you know other other relatives aunts uncles cousins that did that seem to to be sort of be a, an unspoken secret that Others were aware of it that you were sort of oblivious to, but it nevertheless sort of impacted how people related to you or, or no? Uh, yeah, in hindsight, I think that definitely was the case. Um, you know, I would say, you know, growing up in Germany, um, all I had was my nuclear family. So we didn't really have a lot of exposure to uh, aunts, uncles or other relatives. But uh, definitely from my interaction with uh, my parents and I have one brother as well. Um, there was always a sense of um, otherness, so to speak. Um, you know, some, sometimes my, my, my dad would make comments about, um, you know, the way my lips are shaped or, you know, you know other things, physical characteristics, which kind of uh, made me feel like I didn't quite belong to the family. Um, sometimes um, other kids in, in the playground would ask me questions, um, you know. Um, and even as an adult, um, you know, when I eventually moved from Germany to to the U.S. and finally to Canada, people always came to me and um, would be curious about m my ethnic background, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, some more open than others, you know, other, you know, some would say, frankly, would ask me questions like, you know, are, are you of mixed heritage? And others would kind of just sort of um, just ask me questions because they didn't think I typically looked the way they would expect somebody of my origins to look like. So, um, um, you know, I, I kind of dismissed those things um, until I found out um, uh, what the true story was. But uh, again, in hindsight, you know, these questions began to make sense. It seemed like you've always been struggling with identity. But after you found out about your, your, your biological father, did you have sort of a, a another sort of crisis of identity in terms of answering that question, not only for others, but for yourself in terms of who you were? Was it, was it, a um, you know, ironically, I think for me, it, uh, 
actually created a, a sort of peace of mind. Um, and I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I guess be, because I grew up in, in mostly an African-American context, um, it almost seemed to have come full circle. So, um, <laughs> you know, in, in a way, it just kind of, um, you know, all just started falling into place. So um, in terms of my identity, yes, I, I've struggled quite a bit for for a long time, um, especially as a child. Um, but, it, you know, after the discovery, it almost made it made me realize that, you know, all of my experiences in the past uh, probably made, made sense. It's almost like, um, you know, as one of my friends put it, he said, it's almost like even though your dad was not around, um, it seems like he's kind of guided your life regardless in terms of the experiences that you had as a child and the people that you have been exposed to and the community and the values and beliefs and everything that everything that made you who you are today, it seems like your dad had been around anyways. So in that sense, it almost actually all started to make sense. When, when you started doing more in-depth work with, with men in their, in, in mm-hmm. their families as opposed to the shots that you made on the street, right. uh, tell us about the story of the first family that you were able to sort of integrate yourself with and, and how difficult was it to, to get someone to say yes to you, you being present with the camera? Oh, it's, uh, looking back, it's definitely been, uh, a struggle. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I, I'm not a documentary photographer or photojournalist. So in terms of, you know, finding, identifying and finding subjects and qualifying them and that, that whole process was something I had to sort of uh, learn by trial and error. Um, I remember the very first family was actually somebody I met through a friend of mine, um, and, you know, that probably wasn't uh, one of the hardest situations in terms of um, getting them to cooperate. But uh, um, I think so if I can uh, identify a theme that that um, sort of uh, would explain how, how I went, uh, that would explain the difficulties that I faced, um, you know, when, when I would talk to fathers on the street or uh, when I would uh, reach out to friends or, uh, you know, uh, when I would, uh, you know, reach out on social media to various people, um, you know, uh, people will come to me and say, oh, here's a great father for your project. Or I, I know X, Y, Z, who could be a fantastic subject for you um, because he's a great father. He takes care of his kids and he's just a wonderful person. Um, you know, what I realized is that um, there's a difference between someone being a, 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 an exemplary father and for that person also to make for an exemplary subject. So just because they're a great father doesn't necessarily translate into great photography. Um, so for me, the struggle was to find not only fathers that are actually great as, as fathers, but also make for interesting photography. And so that, that was a struggle for me uh, until I actually you know found a way to sort of um, look for those things that I wanted to photograph. Um, and, you know, sort of back to your question in terms of the very first family, one of the first families that I ended up following over the long time was actually a chance encounter on the street. I remember I was in front of um, Harlem Hospital in New York and literally saw a family waiting for uh, their mother to come out of the hospital. Um, and as I observed them, I just noticed a very intimate interaction between the father and his baby. And, uh, you know, so I, that just sort of drew me in, but it took me a while to sort of, um, find a way to approach that particular family. And, um, 
in, in that particular situation, what I had to do is actually go through the mother of the family and ask her if it was okay to photograph the family. Um, so, um, and again, that sort of uh, hints at another uh, situation that I often faced is how to get access to not only the father, whether or not he or he cooperates or not, but uh, uh, to get access to the entire family and to make sure that uh, the whole family is on board. So that means, you know, the father, uh, uh, the kids, and uh, if, if she's around, uh, the mother of the children. So, um, yeah, so that those are, those have been some of my struggles. You mentioned differentiating between someone being a good parent and one someone mm -hmm. being a good photographic subject. So specifically, what were you looking for that that would tell you that okay, this this person will really provide me what I need to express what I want in my photograph? Sure. Um, I guess it boils down to um, you know just because somebody is a great father, um, it depends on how they express that interaction with the kids. Um, I met a lot of wonderful fathers who um, are great explaining what they do verbally or um, demonstrating it in other ways. Um, but, you know, when it comes time to photograph them, you know, all, all they do is sit in front of the television or, you know, there's not a lot going on visually that would lend itself to you finding certain moments i don't even want to call them decisive moments but just just moments where you feel there's a connection happening between the father and 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 the kids um and and so what i was looking for is you know very mundane everyday moments that would probably go unnoticed uh, you know uh, for most people um but i i was looking for moments where um a father or a child would sort of reach out and uh, try and make that connection you know it just maybe uh the way a, a father looks at his child or uh, uh, the way a child seeks his uh, his or her uh, father's attention and um you know it's just sort of these fleeting moments that um you know sort of happen um a lot every day in most families but um that wouldn't necessarily qualify as iconic moments or um you know really moments that seem to be noteworthy for most um yeah. and when looking for subjects, I was looking specifically for for these moments that are happening very quietly. You, you know, because you were tapping into something very personal and very emotional, right? Um, you saw some things that were very difficult for you personally to experience because of what you had experienced in your own own life. How did sure, you? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, how did you sort of work through that, and what? If if you can give us an example of one of those moments that really kind of touched you and may have made it difficult to make the decision whether or not to make the photograph. Um, no, it, it's, it started very early on. I think um, one of my very first scenes that I photographed was um, um, a scene where a father was trying to teach his uh, his. 20 something year old son how to tie a bow tie and so he he showed it first and then he had his son do it in front of the mirror and you know while he was sort of watching in the background to see if he's doing it right but uh you know it you know that definitely triggered something in me where you know I, I, as i observed i you know i was thinking well my dad never showed me how to do any of these things so uh um you know so it was tough to witness um not not because of a feeling of experiencing something I never had necessarily, but 
you know, when you see something for the first time uh, in a way that you haven't experienced, it's it's more a sense of confusion. You know, you have to kind of figure out what is happening right now in front of you. And, um, you know, is this something you want to photograph? Is this meaningful? Um, you know, it's usually you attach meaning to something that you've personally experienced and then you kind of relate to it in, in ways that you want to photograph. But, you know, I my trouble was to photograph something that I had no relationship with because it's not something I could fall back on. So what I had to do was instead, um, you know, when, when I experienced the scene or moment with, um, a particular family, um, I had to sort of examine how I felt about it. You know, um, if there was a sense of, of sadness or anger or, um, you know, whenever you feel that sort of, um, that twinge in your stomach that, you know, something's going on, you can't quite place it. Um, you know, then I just realized, you know what, let me, let me just, I guess this is one of these moments and you just have to press the shutter and then maybe figure out later what actually happened and how you specifically relate to it. Um, but definitely, um, you know, in terms of an example that, that bow tie example was definitely one of the most, um, the earliest and one of the most meaningful ones, even to this day. You know, you come from an interesting perspective. You know, you come from a Korean mother. Was your stepfather Korean as well, or was he another of another race? Yeah, yes, he's Korean. Yeah. He's Korean. Mm-hmm. So you know, you're raised largely in 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 Germany, and so right. your your awareness of the African American experience was pretty much relegated to those families that you were, you know, involved with in in Germany. So mm-hmm. you came here to photograph, um, you know, to live here, and then eventually photograph. I'm sure that you came in with a bunch of loaded sort of imagery in terms of what it means to be an African American male in this country. I mean, sure, growing up here. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, even before you decided to pick up a, a photograph, and especially after you discovered the truth of your of your father, how how can you tell me about how you experienced and saw people of of, of color when you came here as in as personal a way that as you can? Sure, absolutely. Uh, I mean, for me, I think that's probably the the third dynamic that I wanted to explore with this project, you know, so, you know, the first two being, you know, my personal relationship to father absence and fatherlessness, Um, you know, the second aspect being, um, you know, uh, the visuals around black fathers and what they mean uh, from a societal perspective. But the third aspect was really something that I wanted, uh, which was actually the main driver for me eventually, was to really tie in how society views black fathers to the prism of uh, uh, profiling black males. Um, So for me, it was something that had concerned me for quite a while in terms of how uh, males of color are profiled in this country. And for me, it was, um, I guess, something that um, was one of the more jarring experiences moving to North America. You know, in Germany, I was mostly in a context of, um, you know, these military families. And so for me, seeing black males as, you know, friendly, loving, affectionate, uh, you know, just, just regular human beings was, was part of my normal day to day. It was, that's what I grew up with. Um, so going to North America, you know, I realized that the public perception and the visuals around it were quite different. So, you know, what, what was very puzzling to me, um, you know, I moved to America first in 95, um, was how much the visuals and the perception around black males is around negativity. You know, it's, there's a lot of 
perception of um, aggressiveness of, of of black males as threatening as dangerous um you know basically all the visuals sort of are designed to sort of corroborate that versus you know black males as just human beings capable of love affection all the things that i had experienced as a child so for me it was also an effort to use this project to to say you know what this has not been my experience my experiences has been a different one and um so for me um you know showing a different side of black fatherhood and uh, humanizing uh, black males was something that goes hand in hand were people really curious about your own background and did that and you and in with you sharing them did that help you in terms of either opening doors or making people a, a little more open to you being there with the camera i think yeah um I, because obviously I had to explain why who I am and why I'm doing this, but um, um, I, I think in terms of um, establishing rapport with with the families and uh, establishing a connection, you know, I I didn't when I introduced myself to a family, I wouldn't necessarily tell them my background or why I'm doing this project, and uh, you know that you know to me sort of came over the course of time, but um, I wanted them to relate to me just on a from you know on a person to person level as somebody they can trust, not because of my story or my background, but but just because of you know he is somebody that understands us and that relates to us. Um, and then you know the story comes much later, and you know it it, it makes sense. But um, you know I didn't go into a situation of getting to know a family saying, okay, you know what, um, guys, you can trust me because. A, B, C, D. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, um, you just establish that rapport like you would with any other person. And, uh, you know, then you either make the connection or you don't. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't preface any new encounter with, uh, you know, the, my background or why I'm doing this project. Um, you know, that, that usually came much later because it was important for the families to understand, um, you know, just, you know, who I am and, uh, and, and build that relationship just on a human level first. Well, you're not a, a full-time working professional photographer. You work as a, as a healthcare counselor. And yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, it's a wonderful, interesting part of your story because I think so many people would love think about doing this kind of work, but you know, because of time and, and you know other life responsibilities, they never get around to it. But, but uh, I really like that part of your story. Can you tell us about what your normal day job is and how what you do for a living has sort of helped you in terms of what you end up doing with the camera? <laughs> That's a great question because, uh, you know, as I'm um, becoming more serious about photography, I'm sure that's something that <laughs> um, my uh, um, coworkers would like to know as well. So, <laughs> but um uh, yeah, I was originally trained as a physician, um, but actually never really worked clinically. I did so for the first couple of years coming out of school, but uh, I decided that doing clinical work really wasn't what I was after. Um, and so I eventually went into uh, healthcare project management and healthcare administration and, uh, you know, went actually back to school to get my MBA and then uh, work as a management consultant. So, you know, what what I do you know, on a very high level is I provide um, advice regarding um, information technology, project management, or strategic planning to hospitals and health systems. So it's, it's you know, it, it's a corporate job, um, but I use 
definitely use my clinical knowledge, um, but I marry that with you know business and information technology uh, expertise as well. Uh, so it's 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 definitely very technical. It's very left brained, um, but I try to use some of my I guess interpersonal or bedside manner skills that I acquired over time uh, in this job as well as in my photography. And so that's that's sort of a theme that I think um, kind of made me curious about photography to begin with. Um, so um, definitely what interested me with medicine was the, the human interaction. And um, I guess that's what eventually led me to photography anyways. Well, as part of your as your as part of your day job, you met Rigoberto Torres, who was really uh, a key influence in you picking up a camera. Can you tell oh, tell us a story yes. about him and how you met him and and how sure. he encouraged you to use the camera? Yeah, I, um, you know, I have to remember the exact dates. I think it was in in the winter of '93. I was actually still a medical student and doing a rotation at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York, and. It was at that time that uh, uh, Rigoberto Torres was uh, brought in uh, via the emergency room. I think uh, he had an asthma attack, and um, as a result of the attack, uh, he had been without oxygen for quite some time. And so he had suffered uh, quite a bit of brain damage. And as a result of that, uh, you know, the, there, there were all kinds of health issues um, that uh, um, led to his admission at Mount Sinai. So I was actually assigned um, uh, to him as as his caretaker um, during that time. So, um, and, you know, I got to know him um, and his collaborator, John Ahern. And so they told me about their work as artists. And, uh, you know, there, there were many nights where I would just, just be by his bedside and just listen to his stories and uh, um, him sharing what his life was like. And um, him essentially also being a self-taught artist, he just said, you know, um, he, he would ask me questions, you know, was I interested in art? Um, and, you know, what was I going to do about that interest? You know, was I go going to just pursue it as a hobby or is there something more behind it? Um, and he would really push me to think about that very hard. And, um, you know, to this day, I think I remember um, very well that I think... Um, um, his his questioning and his 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 uh, the stories that he told really had a last impact lasting impact and um, eventually led me to um, sort of have a desire to explore that further for sure. And your primary interest uh, was with street photography That's more correct, so than yeah. documentary work. So what was the uh, the appeal there? Was it just that it was something that was readily accessible to you? living where you were and having a camera or was it something else? Yeah, I think it was a combination of uh, practicality and, um, you know, desire. I think from um, an artistic desire perspective, it was, um, you know, sort of observing what's going on in the streets of uh, various cities and, um, you know, looking at strangers and, you know, kind of wondering, you know, everybody I see on the streets, even though I don't know them, they, they have a story. And I kind of want in on that story. You know, it's sort of, you know, I'm, I'm curious about people's, what people sort of put out as a, as a facade and what's actually behind that facade. So, you know, is there a way for me to coax the backstory out of them in a way that doesn't necessarily violate them or intrude uh, too much in any sense? But, you know, is there a way to interact with with strangers on the streets, so they will share a side of themselves that 
you know, they might not necessarily share with anyone. Um, so that, that was sort of part of my motivation, um, you know, from a practical perspective, um, you know, part of my job requires a lot of travel, um, and I'm actually rarely home. So I was actually looking for a hobby that I could execute while, while traveling. And, uh, you know, that doesn't require a lot of equipment or logistics. And, uh, I didn't initially think about uh, photography, but, uh, somebody, um, gave me a camera in, in 2009 and said, here, you know, you're always on the go. Why don't you take some pictures? And, uh, you know, at least, you know, you always tell us about what cities you're in and uh, where you're working. Why don't you start taking some pictures and maybe post them on Facebook and just, just, just tell us where you are and what you're doing. Um, and so I just, you know, basically initially I didn't really have an interest in photography, but once, once I started taking a few pictures and realized that I can actually get in on people's story, um, you know, it, it becomes very addictive and then you kind of just want more. So that's how it all started. There's an intimacy in your photographs, whether it's your, your street portraits or whether it's the, the scenes that you capture on the street. And did, did that come easy with you just because you had experience sort of interacting <laughs> with people or was it, or did you start off like most street photographers do at a, at a, at a, at a, at a great distance between you and your subject and then slowly <laughs> oh, building absolutely. up your courage to move closer it, it, and closer. Uh, you know, I'm, it de definitely did not come easy. And, it, and I, I think it, it'll never get easy for me. I think, um, because, you know, as a, just personality wise, I'm actually quite shy and introverted. Um, so for me, it's not a natural desire to go out there and be in somebody's face. Um, you know, and, uh, when I started, um, I, I knew I wanted to photograph people on the street, but you know, I started with a long lens <laughs> and, um, you know, just kind of from a safe distance. But, um, I also realized, um, maybe because I'm shy and because, um, distance doesn't allow me to overcome that shyness to the point where I, I can, I can actually get access to somebody's story. I, I force myself to go wider and wider and uh, closer and closer. Um, so it, it it took a bit of time. I think it was um, took took me about a year to really get the hang of it. And um, you know, you never really you you never really lose that fear or that discomfort. And I think to some extent, um, you know, and I can only speak for myself. I, I probably need that sort of queasy feeling to to really to to to, to make it worthwhile for me. Um, so. Um, for me, I know I, I never want to get too comfortable um, because, um, you know, what that queasiness does for me is that um, it allows me also not to take uh, my encounters for granted. So when I am successful or, I, you know, I, I, I think I made a picture that um, I find OK, that, you know, that's 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 something that happened because the other person allowed me to do this. So, you know. I have to always be mindful that this was a fair exchange and not something that um, I have a right to do or um, that I can force upon somebody else. So, you know, so it, it, in a way, the, the photography on the street keeps me humble and keeps me, it reminds me that, um, you know, it's really a, a two-way street. Yeah, and I think that that sort of intimacy that you've developed on the street really uh, can be seen in in your project father figure. Um, yeah. cause Thank there's, you. Because you 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 don't feel like you're a photographer at a distance. I mean, you're in in that space with them and and with their children and with their girlfriends and their wives. And and I love that about the photographs. I mean, there's one shot that really struck me, oh, which I'd you. like to hear the, the story about. It's it's one of a father against a, like a, a door frame, 
and he's mm-hmm. crying while his um, while his child is in the back looking at you directly at the camera. What was that moment oh. about? <laughs> um, that was actually a quite awkward moment because um, I think what usually happens in 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 those scenarios is that um, you know I'm being asked to to go into another room or to leave or you know the, the fathers or whoever else is in that situation will sort of remove themselves from from my presence. Um, you know, I guess it was just one of those days, um, this particular, um, father is a single father and he takes care of his son. Um, you know, just facing a lot of struggles as a single father. Um, and you know, every now and then he has days when it becomes very overwhelming and he just has a moment. Um, and again, usually I'm not really privy to these moments myself. Um, so I guess that particular day was just one of those days where he um, didn't mind having me around. Um, and, you know, I just, um, again, was just, I just happened to be in that space and um, uh, it never happened again. So, uh, but yeah, it was just a moment where he, he was so overwhelmed. He, he he couldn't care less who was around and who wasn't. So um uh, but at the same time, he was still very conscious of the fact that he didn't want his son to see him the way he is. So, um, mm. and I wanted to sort of capture that where, you know, he, he, he is vulnerable, but at the same time, he's also wanting to still be protective to some degree. So, you know, it's a, it's an amazing photograph and I'm really touched every time I look at it. I mean, the, Thank you. the, the whole body of work is amazing, but that's, I think you capture in the, in that image so much of what isn't seen. Um, thank, thank you. When it comes and, to the yeah. fathers, and, and for me that was important because again it speaks to the whole notion of um, you know uh, again the perception that uh, black men cannot be affectionate or vulnerable, um, and you know it it sort of runs counter to that entire perception that's out there. You know, part of your journey in terms of doing this project was uh, sort of finding a way of being able to forgive this father that you didn't know um, right. for abandoning you, for, for leaving you to have to, you know, survive under the abuse of a, of a stepfather. Can, can you explain how what you witnessed with these men helped you to do that? Yeah. And that's um, difficult to sort of explain. Um, Cause people are like, how, you know, how does that help you forgive your father? Um, and I'd say, you know, it's it's forgiveness is really something that happens for me. You know, it's more of a letting go of resentment. Um, you know, it, it doesn't mean that I want to res- uh, that, that that I you know forgiveness is for me. It's it, it's a separate process from say reconciliation or wanting to get to know who he is and you know reestablishing a relationship. So for me, those are separate things. And for me, forgiveness was just releasing. The, the the resentment and sort of the misgivings I had for a father that I've never known and, uh, um, you know, and just letting go of whatever his motivations or his, his imperfections may have been that led to him leaving. Um, so, you know, how this came about is actually just by simply observing um, the, the families that I work with, um, a lot of the fathers that I ended up having that relationship with where I could come on a daily basis or sometimes even living with them. I, um, you know, I, I noticed, um, and it's something that goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, um, you know, somebody being an exemplary father versus 
being an exemplary subject for photography, two different things. So um, again, the the uh, you know uh, by that same token, um, a lot of the fathers that I work with are not. Uh, fathers that society would regard as as exemplary or perfect. Um, you know, many, um, you know, uh, are not sort of that sort of Stepford model father that society often expects of us. Um, and yet they do something every day to be there for the kids, to be present, and uh, uh, they do the best they can. And um, for me, that 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 really was what uh, led to a sense of forgiveness for me and letting go of the resentment is to observe men that are not perfect by any means, but um, they're present, uh, you know, when, when they need to be. Um, and, you know, they, regardless of the circumstances, they, they try their best. Um, and, you know, for me, it allowed me to sort of let go of the notion that um, I could or should expect something from um you know, a, a man that I've never known and that I cannot talk to. Um, you know, I don't know what his motivation was. And uh, at so, some point that stopped mattering, mm-hmm. you know, because I thought, you know, whatever whatever led to the situation and whatever, uh, you know, led you to make the decisions that you made, um, you know, I, I'm fine with it. Um, you know, the, you probably had your reasons and I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with them. Um, I'm just saying, you know, I'm okay with it and uh, I'm letting go. Um so, yeah, sort of in a roundabout way, it sort of um, led to that uh, sort of process of release for me. Yeah. How how has the, you know, what you've been through in your life and, and especially this project colored how you think about you yourself becoming or not becoming a father? <laughs> well, it's it's sort of ambivalent. You know, many times I see these fathers struggling and I'm thinking, wow, I'm glad I'm not a father. <laughs> um <laughs> Or it makes it difficult to sort of see myself in that same position. And, and then obviously other times and even just, you know, the, the fathers themselves, they, they you know, they, they tell me, you know what, um, you would probably make a great dad because you, you are so perceptive and you really, um, you know, you know, really go in on these issues. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure you would actually make a great father. So part of me is um, sort of still in the middle. I, I definitely would like to have kids at some point. Um, so, um, you know, when and how, I, I don't know yet, but, uh, um, you know, I, I would say overall the, uh, the project has led me to believe that, it, you know, father, father is a good thing. And, um, you know, that, um, you know, I, I can be a great father as well. I think, um, part of me growing up the way I did with, you know, um, you know, an abusive father, and uh, a father that uh, was absent was, you know, wondering, you know, would I commit some of the same mistakes? Um, and I think, you know, I've sort of shaken some of that off. Uh, tell me about how people ended up discovering the work and what the reaction has been as as people have, you know, seen the images and, and heard the story behind them. Oh, that's that's an interesting, that's a very great question. Uh, I think... Um, I didn't really have a formal way of presenting or uh, publishing these pictures. I um, um, had a bit of a social media presence going in. Um, you know, I have a lot of um, followers on Flickr and now on Instagram. So I just kind of posted some of the, uh, the pictures from the project on Flickr and um, found out they really resonated. I was a bit concerned, at least uh, at the beginning, because, uh, you know, people know me based on my street photography. So I thought, you know, what, what's going to happen if all of a sudden these pictures appear, 
uh, you know, A, can people relate to them? Um, and B, you know, will this sort of alienate a certain fan base? And um, I found these concerns weren't really, you know, th- that wasn't really something that I had to worry about. Um, and instead, people really took to to the images. And um, um, also the feedback has been actually really interesting. Um, you know, so um, there's a lot of support on the one hand. So a lot of people see, you know, what what led to the project and the motivation behind it. And they can identify with some of the issues that I photographed, whether it's based on, you know, some of the racial profiling we talked about or whether it's just uh, universal aspects of fatherhood and the difficulties of fatherhood uh, to begin with. Um, so a lot of people find something to personally relate to. And, um, you know, that that's feedback that I've gotten, which is which is great. Um, and on the other hand, it also confused a lot of people. So I've gotten a lot of um, not necessarily negative feedback, but people were just wondering, you know, um, you know, why do we need these images and what what is so specific about black fatherhood that you need to do this? And, uh, you know, just um, confusion or wondering, you know, what, what is the point of this? Or, you know, even just, you know, do, do we need um, specific focus on, on black fathers? Um, so, you know, there's been quite a bit of that as well. Um, and I think um, um, it started about, two years ago when New York Times uh, decided to uh, to to uh, do a, an expose in uh, on men's blog and um, you know that was sort of the first big sort of public exposure of the work and uh, um, since then the feedback has definitely increased but also it, it's become a lot more polarized so um, you know, when uh, a lot of people were sort of positive or sort of confused, it's definitely become a lot more polarized since then, where people are either really excited about the work and see the necessity of it, or they're really just, uh, yeah, I would see, even say negative uh, and, and, and saying this, this, this work is a distraction or, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not really what we need to see. And so it's, it's, it's become interesting. The more exposure I've, I've received, the more polarized the feedback has become. So, um, you know, still trying to sort of make sense out of all of it, but, uh, in a way it tells me that I'm onto something. So I'm not taking either side too personally at this point. Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just keep doing, just keep doing the work and put it out there. And sure. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, it just encourages me to just do more because, you know, it, it obviously doesn't leave people cold. So, um, you know, it, uh, and as long as it sparks discussion in any which way, I I feel it's, 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 it's work that needs to be out there. So, you know, I'm not here to educate anyone or to, to, you know, clobber them over the head with a message. It's, it's, you know, it's, if it sparks a conversation about, you know, some of these issues, then, you know, that's, you know, that I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to be releasing a book uh, in September. Uh, yes. Yeah. And we're very excited. Actually, we're going on press next week. So, uh, um, we're almost there. Uh, we, we, have announced the pre-sale of the book. Uh, it'll be a hardcover a book, uh, sort of coffee table size, and uh, it'll feature a lot of the f- pictures that uh, are already out there, but also a lot that haven't yet been put out. And uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely been uh, <laughs> it's it, it's been a lot of work, but um, hopefully it'll be worth it. So we're very excited and uh, can't wait to uh, make it available to the public. Has your mom seen the work or had anything to say about it? 
I think she's she has. She won't talk about it much. And uh, actually, right now, she's really not talking to me at all, which is uh, probably not a good thing. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping she'll come around. Um, you know, I will definitely send her a copy of the work. Um, I, I think she loves the images um, and she loves the photography. I, I'm not sure how she feels about the fact that um, basically I'm essentially putting, you know, our family business out there. Oh, yeah. Um, so it, it, it yeah, it, it, it's sort of a double-edged sword. So on the one hand, you know, she, I'm sure she's excited. On the other hand, I'm, you know, I'm sure she's, you know, probably feeling quite exposed. So, you know, there's definitely some fence mending that has to occur there. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> well, my, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? That's a very, very good question. Um, and I know you ask that question a lot of people. So having listened to your podcast, but <laughs> I actually haven't thought about it, but I would have to say um, somebody I would have to recommend and uh, um, for various reasons um, is uh, Eugene Richards. Um, he has a new project out, uh, which uh, he just actually released a book as well. Um, and, uh, you know, the book is called Red Ball of a Sun Slipping Down. And uh, the reason I found it interesting is because it combines some of his earlier work that, that he did in Arkansas with uh, uh, some of his uh, later work when he returned to Arkansas to photograph some of the same places that he had photographed in the 60s. And so the, the book sort of juxtaposes old and new in very interesting ways. Um, and, you know, I'm... I'm I'm a huge fan of uh, Gene Richards and his work, and um, I feel sometimes sort of his approach is very similar to mine. But you know that you know over time he's obviously evolved and and grown as as a person and as photographers. And so you know I wanted folks to sort of uh, either discover or rediscover him through his latest project. Yeah, I'm a great fan of his. So that's a wonderful recommendation. Thank you. So where can people go to find out more about you and your project? Sure. Uh, you know, folks can go to my personal website, which is uh, chunli.com, Z-U-N-L-A-E.com. Or um, if they would like to find out more about the book and uh, uh, details around when it's coming, uh, they can go to my publisher's website, which is sabaphoto.com. Saber like the, the, the tree. So it's uh, C-E-I-B-A-F-O-T-O.com. Well, uh, June, thank you so much. I really enjoyed uh, having the chance to talk with you. And best of luck with, with the book and, and any other project that you're working on. You're welcome, Ibarra and Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. Remember that my latest book, Portraits of Strangers, is available for purchase. And for loyal listeners of the show, you can enjoy 30% off the ebook or any other book or DVD that I've produced, including my first book, Chasing the Light, Improving Your Photography Using Available Light. Click on the link on the show notes and use the promo code PORELLO, that's P as in Paul, E-R-E-L-L-O, to receive your discount. The Candid Frame is brought to you by the generous contributions of listeners just like you, as well as the work of our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. And our music 
is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at Incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.